Every dream that has tiptoed across your mind is a summons from the universe. And that is the quote of the day. The Day Show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton of SeanCroxton.com. Today's episode is brought to you by The Jerf Bar, our delicious, organic, real food bar available at JerfBar.com. Today's featured speaker is Pam Grout. I love me some Pam Grout. She was on my interview podcast at Sean Croxton Sessions about mm, four or five months ago, and she crushed it. You have to hear that interview. Just hear it for the Hawk story. There was like something going on during that episode that just still to this day blows my mind. I tell friends about it. They're like, what? That really happened? I'm like, yes, that really happened. It was crazy, right? It's like a message from the universe. And this is my favorite talk of the entire week by far. You can probably tell because I'm like super pumped up about it. And she's talking about creativity and ideas. And I will tell you, If there is one thing that bothers me when people say it to me, I could talk about this all day. There's one thing that bothers me. It's when people say to me, I'm not creative. I didn't get the creative gene. I'm left brain. I'm just not creative at all. Can't activate the side of my brain or whatever you want to say, right? And I just say to myself, oh my gosh, are you serious? If you say that you're not creative, you are literally denying the very thing that you were put on this earth to do, which is to create. You're literally denying, for lack of a better word, your birthright. You know, I'm not the most religious person in the world. I do study scripture, though. I study interpretation of scripture because I want to know what the stuff really means, right? And if there's one thing that I firmly believe is that the God or the universe or whatever you want to call it is the creator. As Marianne Williamson would say, the creator with the big C. And I firmly believe that we as human beings are individualizations of that creator, which makes us creators, creators with a little C. We are put here to create. I firmly believe that there's this thing like in the air, like in the ether. There's this spirit in the ether that goes like this. Hey, here's an idea. Go do this. Hey, here's something for you. Hey, take it and run. Hey, here's a little product that'll help a ton of people. Here you go. Here's a name for a a book you can write. Here you go. Here's, Here's this idea. Here you go. Go do it. Ideas are everywhere. I'm an idea machine. I get people who call me or email me. They'll be like, Sean, I need an idea, right? Because ideas will just hit me. I say, I got hit by the spirit today. I was driving back home from the gym, or I was in the shower, or I was at yoga, or I was on a walk. I I got hit by the spirit today. I got an idea. But here's the difference with me and ideas. When I get an idea, I act on it. You know, who was it? Mel Robbins, she said, your problem isn't ideas. Your problem is that you don't act on them. I act on my ideas. And also, 
I know how to manage my ideas. I think this is where a lot of people get flustered. They go, I got an idea, I'm going to work on it. But then a week later, they get another idea and they go, oh my gosh, I got to work on this one too. And they get another one a week later, they go, oh my God, I got I to do this one too. Now you've got three, four ideas going on at the same time. You never get anything done. I manage my ideas. I got ideas on my list that we're going to do in like mid-2019. You know, I say, I got to do this one first and then I'll work on the next one and then I'll work on the next one. Oh, here's what I need to explore a little bit before I start acting on it. Okay, let's do it like that. So you have to act on your ideas and then you have to manage them well. And so if you're saying to yourself, I am not creative, if that is your I am statement, you will not be creative. You're denying what you were put here for. You are creative AF, if you know what that means. I'm trying to keep the show clean, you know what I'm saying? But uh, like I said, I can rant about this all day long. Here's Pam. So I'm here today to introduce you guys to a book that has changed my life. This book is by far the most significant book in my library. And you're probably curious, thinking, oh, is she talking about the Bible? Is she talking about the Dowdy Ching? Maybe she means a MacBook Pro. All of those conjectures would be wrong. The book that has rocked my world, that has turned my life, continues to turn my life upside down, is this 99-cent spiral notebook. I write in it every single day. I write down my to-do lists. Sometimes I note my latest gratitudes. Sometimes I use it to slay fierce dragons, even if they are my fears and insecurities. But every day, I write down some new ideas. Every day, I write down something that is going to surprise and delight me. Now, a lot of these ideas are really boring and self-obsessed. I've given my partner strict instructions to burn the growing collection should something unexpected happen to me. But every now and then, every so often, I come up with an idea that sends sparks flying, an idea that I feel indebted to share with other people. But even that's not why I write in it every day. This 99-cent notebook is actually a portal that has led me to a bigger, richer, fuller life. Like the wardrobe that opened to the magical world of Narnia, this notebook has led me to an exciting and adventurous path. Uh, you might have noticed that my last name's not Rockefeller. Not only was there a glaring lack of silver spoons, but I grew up in a town in Kansas of about 600 people. And that was before Mr. Bandy, the barber, died. My dad, the Methodist minister, was the guy who preached the funeral. So it became really clear to me really early on that if I was going to live the life most extraordinary that I was committed to living, I was going to have to come up with a different source of funding. If I was going to jet around the world, if I was going to cavort with South Pacific medicine men, and if I was going to delight the masses with my profound wisdom, I was going to have to come up with a different kind of capital. I have come up with what I call creative capital. And that's what these notebooks are for. 
I have hundreds of these things. I have them in every color, every shape, every size. At the beginning of every school year, I buy them in bulk. I can sometimes get them for as cheap as a quarter. And the reason I use these kind of notebooks and not those moleskins, those fancy leather-bound notebooks, is because that would only encourage the enemy, which is perfectionism. My motto has always been, dare to be mediocre. <laughs> but dare I always do. And in this notebook, it has provided the blueprint for the creative capital that at last count had allowed me to publish 17 books, have a career as a travel writer, and I've even written a television series centering around six people that live in an off-the-grid eco-village. I call it, jokingly, if that's not its real title, I call it Sex in the Country. <laughs> um, this creative capital has also allowed me to travel to all the world's continents, except Antarctica, and I'm still working on that one. And yes, I have frolicked with medicine men. men. <laughs> I have uh, slept in sultan's palaces, and I have hot air ballooned over Kenya's Maasai Mara. But the great thing about all this is this creative capital, this ability to imagine new and exciting things, is the province of all of us. Every one of us is creative. So I'm going to give you a creativity test that I have on my website. Of course, you know, you've, um, you know that the SAT gives you a score to see if you can make it in college. The LSAT opens doors for law school. And the MCAT, of course, that costs $250 every time you take it, will open doors to go to medical school. But here's my creativity test, which I think is the very best determiner of whether or not you're creative. So here's the question. Are you breathing? <laughs> so why do most adults, when you word that question a different way, how many of you are creative? give just the opposite answer. Oh, no, 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 I'm not creative. Well, they forgot. Most adults have forgotten. They had parents and teachers and cultural programming that told them to follow the rules, stay in line, do it this way. I mean, it starts the minute that we're born. We're weighed, we're measured, and we're graded against all the other babies in the nursery. So Robert Fulgham had, you probably heard of his Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Well, it was made into a stage play. And in one of the first scenes, the kindergarten teacher comes out and she asks her fresh young students, how many of you are dancers? They all wave their hands wildly. How many of you are painters? Again, they all, I am, I am. How many of you are singers? Unanimous hand waving. Another scene comes up, they're in fourth grade now. Different teacher asks the, asks the same students those same questions. And now only about a third of them are singers, dancers, painters. By the time they're in high school, those willing to claim artistic talent is down to a paltry few. Some aptitude test told them to give up their dreams of being a, an artist, try accounting. My question now is, why did we listen? 
And so my, here's my, my great idea. If you're, if you're over 50, you may not remember the physical fitness revolution. Life back then, it was, this is life before the pump it, dance it, just do it days. And back in those days, it was really only athletes that worked out. The rest of us, it's perfectly acceptable to be couch potatoes. But then Dr. Kenneth Cooper coined the term aerobics and proposed this radical notion that all of us should be working out. Well, now, of course, there's not a Westerner alive who doesn't either use some fitness regime or feel guilty because he doesn't. <laughs> so what I'd like to propose is the same kind of revolution with our imagination, with our creative muscle, if you will. It's not just artists who need creativity. All of us must practice our creativity. I feel like it's a need that is every bit as important as food and shelter. So when a bird loses its nest in the disappearing rainforest, it doesn't call its therapist or mope. It looks for a new branch and it sings. And so now that I've proven that we're all creative, I'm going to tell you guys, give you a couple playful practices that will get your creative muscle back in shape. Because here's the thing, Anybody who's ever been in bed for a couple weeks know that if you're bedridden for two weeks, your um, calf muscles, all of your muscles will atrophy to the point where you actually need a physical therapist to get moving again. So when you figure that most of us haven't really practiced creativity since show and tell days, some of these practices might be pretty important. So the first practice I would like to encourage you to do Oh, all these, these practices are really easy, and they don't take much time at all. So the first practice is to do something ridiculous. For example, on your way to the bathroom in the morning, dance. It doesn't take any longer to get there. It might even get you there faster. Sing in the shower. Do rap in the shower. <laughs> that Hip-hop, that was great. Skip in public. Send secret notes to your friends and lovers. Because if you do ridiculous things, your left brain will roll its eyes, get disgusted, and take leave, which leaves your right brain plenty of room to be creative and make a mess. So the second practice I've already given you, get a cheap notebook and write down three ideas, three new ideas every single day. Now, if you do this, I can guarantee that you will be happier. You will quit worrying what other people think. And you will be encouraged to pull out the artistic blessing that is yours to give. And since a lot of you guys appear to be over five, I'm going to go ahead and give you a couple ideas of things you can write for your ideas <laughs> that I jotted in my notebook. Number one, dream up three adventures you'd like to take. Number two, Devise three things you can make from a clothes hanger. Number three, compose three ideas for living without money. Five, write down three statues you'd like to see in city parks instead of statues of war heroes. Formulate three subjects you'd like to photograph. Or perfect three new dance moves that you can use on the way to the bathroom <laughs> in the morning. So anyway, like I said, I think all of us do have a creative blessing that only we can give. Maybe it's a poem tapping on your heart. Maybe there's a song that keeps you awake at night. 
A screenplay that won't leave you alone. A dream that you keep pushing aside with some comment like, nah, I could never sing or dance like that. I could never make a film. Every dream that is tiptoed across your mind is a summons from the universe. Your song may not, make, may not be sung in Jimmy Fallon. It may never make the top 40 list. But somebody out there needs to hear it. Maybe it's the 92-year-old shut-in who lives next door, who giggles every time she overhears you sing, I wish I was an Oscar Mayer wiener outside her window. Isn't that enough? At times, it seems daunting, adding your voice to the chorus. You wonder, what do I have to add to the world's great body of art? Who am I to join the likes of C.S. Lewis, Mikhail Baryshnikov, James Cameron? But perhaps the better question is, who are you not to? What right do you have to refuse the voice that whispers to you every morning, every afternoon, and every evening as you retire, spent and exhausted from denying again and again the hand of the great collaborator. But hasn't everything already been said? Until we hear your version of this fierce and joyful world, there is more to be said. Each man looks upon the sunset with a slightly different eye. All of us long for a rich participatory life. We all have the same recurrent longings to break down our defenses, to be able to give our gifts. When we compose a piece of music or shape a lump of clay, we wriggle out of the straitjacket and come out shouting, yes, yes, yes. Alexander Papadaris, who started a monastery and peace center in Crete, Greece, carried a piece of broken mirror in his wallet. When he was a small boy, he found the broken mirror next to a motorcycle that someone had wrecked and abandoned along a road near his village. He spent hours trying to put the mirror back together. Unfortunately, some of the pieces were missing, so he had little choice but to give up, but not before plucking out the biggest piece, which he rubbed against a rock until it was smooth and round. Papadera spent much of his childhood playing with that piece of mirror. He discovered that when he held it just right, he could shine the sun's light into the dark lighting up unknown cracks and crevices. Your piece of the mirror is just a fragment. Nobody knows for sure how big and vast the whole really is. But if you take your small piece and hold it just right, you can light up the world's dark places. The choice is yours. You can use your mirror to shine light, or you can keep it in your wallet. But the mirror will never be whole without you. Thank you. All righty, that was great stuff with Pam Grout. She's awesome. Her website is pamgrout.com. She's got all kinds of books out there. Her two uh, most famous books are E Squared, as well as her most recent one, Thank and Grow Rich. That is it for me. I hope you have an amazing day. I will see you tomorrow. Peace. Mm-hmm.